Hello and welcome to another episode of Creating Powerful Impact. I'm your host, Shay Wheat, and today's guest is Rachel Ellen. Now, Rachel is the owner of Bolt from the Blue Copywriting. Copywriting. I can speak. She can write. Uh, <laughs> well, the thing is, she and her team, they really make words make money. I'm all about this just because from the perspective of events and how people need to actually write a lot of copywriting, we'll dive into it. But regardless, she has consulted for clients in industries ranging from accounting to astrology. And her work has, you know, directly contributed to phenomenally successful launches, books that end up on airport bookshelves, and in one memorable case, a client actually getting their MBE. So words have power and you can utilize them to help you make more money. Please help me welcome Rachel to the Creating Powerful Impact stage. What's up, Rachel? Hey, thank you so much for having me. What a lovely intro. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm excited because, um, as I mentioned a little bit, oh, from our perspective, running and producing events, there's a lot of words that go into ads and emails and sales pages and, you know, just ways that a lot of our clients utilize to communicate with their audience. I would love for you to share a little bit about what would you say is probably one of the biggest pain points when it comes to copywriting, whether it's for events or it's just in general for a business owner, an entrepreneur, you know, a six, seven, eight figure business owner. You know, I think they may be both the same. I think nobody ever realizes how much copy you need to really run a, a really high level business. So, you know, if you're just starting out, if you're kind of figuring things out, if it's your first time, then you can get away with a lot. But when you are looking to scale into six, seven, eight figures and so on, you really have to get all of the details right. And I know you and I were chatting just before this about events that we've been on where we've seen people pay, you know, they'll have a five figure event that they're hosting and um, they'll have the the standard like convert kit email reminder stuff. And I'm just like, seriously, right? you know, so there's so much that goes into it and uh, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of strategy and a lot of just work to get it right. And I think people don't realize that then they dive into it and get in the middle of that. And they're like, oh my God, what's happening? And it right. gets overwhelming very fast. And then they're, they're staying up until three in the morning, trying to write yeah. all of the email series, because, you know, especially if it's like an in-person event, you mm -hmm. have to remind them where the hotel is. You have to remind them where, you know, this is and when do you show up and what's happening? And mm -hmm. here's a simple agenda. And this is when registration is. And did you, you know, forget to bring X, Y, and Z? And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. So, so many details. So many you know, details. are you, do you have dietary restrictions? What happens if we're in a city and there's transport issues? You know, there's so many little things. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to actually have somebody one who has the knowledge, skill, and background of what it needs to look like um, can bring those to your awareness because that's not your job. I mean, it's your job, but it's not our client's job exactly. to know what needs to be sent. Their job is to have them show up, deliver crazy awesome results, give them value, and support them in moving forward into the next steps. 
Exactly. And that's what I really want to do. And all of the people that I've worked with, with um, being a copywriter for events, both virtual and in person, I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to ever have to look at a word if you don't want to. All you have to do is show up and work with your event planner and I'll just take care of it. And the emails just happen like magic. Yay. I love mm-hmm. that. Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit about like, okay, maybe we're not doing an event. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just need it for everyday life. Um, in business. What does that look like? What are the things that we should be doing that maybe we're not doing in the Um, world of copywriting? So I think standard one, you need to have a really solid website. It's that's just, that's the first thing. And people don't really make it up into the six, seven, eight figures until they have that. Um, Although you'll be surprised occasionally they're just incredibly charismatic on social media. And then you're like, what happened to this website? But really strong website. Um, strong content strategy. So uh, people often think like, they're like, oh, you know, I need to do a website and I need to do social media and I need to do emails because like, that's what people on the internet do. And I'm like, okay, cool. But we're not just like throwing these words up just to be there. There needs to be a strategy behind it. Your words are an asset for your business. And if they're not performing, why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. So you need a strong strategy. Um, I like to create what I call content, content infrastructures. So we literally map out every single piece of content everyone could encounter at every single step of their client journey. And so it makes this beautiful, like concierge level approach with a lot of automation in it. So you don't have to rely on somebody being there and like typing the individual email every single time to make people feel good. Mm, Love that. So talk to me more about like, so I love the strategy. How do we then utilize it to make us money? So the very, that's what the strategy should lead to at all times. Um, You need to make sure that every single thing you're doing as a part of that. So every tactic you're taking as a part of that strategy leads in some way to money. It's not just like, like people will come up with uh, strategic objectives a lot of times where they're like, I want more visibility or I should be posting more on LinkedIn. And I'm like, excellent. How's that going to lead to money? So um, an example might be like, let's say I come into a lot of businesses where clients have created like 15 lead magnets, right? Because they're fun and they're thought leaders and they have things to share and yet they don't promote them. There's no actual uh, streamlined like end goal for that. So what I do is I actually match them. I'm like, okay, cool. You can have all of these if you can match them concretely to a product. So if somebody signs up for this, I want them to be within three steps of buying your thing. And one of those three steps has to be getting on a sales call with you. So we actually go through and work that out. And, um, you know, there's lots of things you can do to supplement that with like follow-up emails and nurture campaigns and stuff. But I mean, I guess the long, long story short answer to your question is it's the strategy. You have to be like, okay, what are the two degrees of separation here that gets us from interest to sales call to buying? Yeah. What I see a lot is people will spend so much money on ads. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to throw money at ads and and I'm just going to have it cold market show up. And, you know, from there it's going to, you know, hopefully lead into a sales call <laughs> and eventually lead into, you know, doing business with me. And I think hopefully is the word there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and what we've been doing is going okay great wonderful do the ads but yeah. then let's insert in an event to support them and scoop up everybody that didn't make it to a sales call exactly. right if you if one you don't have the copywriting that is going to support them in those three steps to get them onto some type of call to action then mm-hmm. let's scoop them up but in order to do that you have to do nurture exactly with you. And so is there, 
is there a formula out there that, or is it just uh, kind of dependent upon each individual business of how much nurture you need to be doing uh, with somebody before they, they move forward and say yes, after they have a lead magnet? So my formula that I, that I use, um, and this actually applies to length of copy as well. So it's like length of engagement, but basically the heavier the financial or the cognitive lift, the more nurture you need. So if something is very expensive, let's say that you're selling, you know, a year long mastermind and it's a seven figure buy-in or something, you're going to need to nurture people. They're going to need to know you before they sign that check. Similarly, if you have something that's a high cognitive lift. So let's say that you're doing a product that people like they wouldn't normally use. So the example I always pull for this is we have a wonderful client who makes um, ancestrally informed skincare made out of beef tallow. And of course, as you say that, like, yeah, everybody's expression is like, what? 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 Exactly. So it's actually like fantastic. There's all sorts of really great scientific reasons. The vitamin content is just bonkers. It's wonderful. And this guy hand renders it in his uh, home in Harlem. It's fantastic. But of course, you're when you first say that, you're like, no, I'm not going to smear beef tallow on my face. So that's why we did this massive, like 25,000 word long sales page for him, because that is a hell of a heavy cognitive lift. You have to walk people through this and help them understand why it's there. So exact same thing applies if you're doing something. So let's say maybe um, whatever service you provide, it's a little more vague. It doesn't fit exactly into a W-2. We see this a lot with coaches or with mentors. You know, if you're a high priced mentor, people are going to think you're a con artist unless you have enough nurturing to show them that you actually know what you're doing. You're not just, you know, messing around, taking people's money. Mm -hmm. And do you have to include a bunch of case studies, um, examples? Like what do people want to hear and read about when you're nurturing them? So case studies and examples are one thing. Um, I always say content that leads into whatever it is you're teaching. So, you know, if you're coaching or if you're teaching or if you're running an event, you're meeting people at a certain point in a conversation. So if there's something they need to know before that, that makes it easier for them to say yes, that's what you need to include. So you want to bring them up to speed for wherever you want that end point to be. But another thing that people don't think about is they really want to know you. So you can share the best case studies, you can share, you know, all your expertise, but if they don't feel like they have a good sense of you and your personality and who you are, they're probably not going to buy. Now, what about the companies that are like, I'm trying to pull me out of being the one and I want it to be more the personality of the business. Can you do the same thing for a business personality? Absolutely. Totally legit. We see this a lot of times with, um, let me think about it. Uh, There's a brand, I think they might only be in the UK, um, but they're a juice brand called Innocent. And um, Innocent doesn't have any kind of like face on them, but you feel like you know the juice, which is really weird. (laughs) Like, you know, like the smiley face of that brand. So you can absolutely do that, but it does need to have some kind of like humanity to it or else you're just not going to be able to stand out. It's just too noisy. Mm, Okay. So let's go into the noise. Yeah. How do, how do we break through the noise? Here's the thing you don't. So I have clients come to me all the time and they're like, oh man, like, how do I get noise? You know, how do I get louder? I need to do more. I need to be louder. And I'm like, no. And you know why? Because when you do that, all you are doing is putting yourself in an arms race with Coca-Cola. You do not have their marketing budget. You won't, you are not an international marketing department. It's just not going to happen. So what I do is I reframe that for people. And I say, look, you don't need to be loud. You just need to be heard. 
And the way that you are heard is in making these personal human feeling relationships with people, even whether it's a brand or a person, it's showing up with story, it's showing up with clear intention, and it's showing up strategically, making sure that what you share is actually leading to an end of connection with them. And that is how you're heard. That's how we see people build these cult brands around them. That's why we all think about these businesses we know and love. It's because, yeah, you know, I love whatever, because you're that person or you're that business. There's a thousand other businesses out there that do what you do, but they're not you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're buying you or the essence of the you that is the business brand. Right. And, and I love that. It's just like events. We start with the end in mind. What is the goal? Where are we leading them to? You're essentially doing the same thing. And that's why our businesses are complementary. Mm-hmm. We're doing the same thing. We're just having different vehicles to support the audience in moving forward and, and saying, yes, you, you exactly. essentially need both, right? There's oh, no yeah. way we could produce an event without <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Do <Exactly>. imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I've been to a couple of people who have tried it and they're like, I'm just going to like do a Slack channel and people will join. And I'm like, oh, okay. How'd that go for you? Oh, not well. That sounds painful. Yeah. And it's so much stress for the person and they don't get what they want. And I think, I don't know if you've seen this with your clients, but I think people get an idea of what events are supposed to look like. And they're like, but I don't want to, you know, get a blowout and stand up on a giant stage in front of 20, 20,000 people. That doesn't have to be what an event is. Events can be small, big, in-person, whatever. Like you said, it's all just a vehicle for movement forward within this conversation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's, it's nurtured, just like you nurture in your email series, in your copy, in your website. It's nurturing in person or virtual live. It's just everybody's moving down through the customer journey for Mm -hmm. them to discover, oh, okay, this is my people. These are my tribe. This is my community. This is the person that's going to help me undo X, Y, and Z or achieve X, Y, Z. Exactly. I love that. Um, What would you say um, is something crazy happening in the industry right now that you wish would stop? Oh gosh, we're in such a weird spot in the industry right now. Um, I know this is airing a little bit later, but as we're recording it, um, we're in this really interesting spot where uh, AI has become like very publicly available. People are really locked onto it and they're like, we're just going to write everything with it, which is, it's it's going to be really funny in a couple months when that cycles back. Um, but what people aren't noticing is that we're also on the downside of a pandemic-induced boom. So when uh, people went into lockdown, a lot of people shifted their jobs. You know, maybe they left more corporate positions and did a lot of startup stuff. And there was this big uh, business boom that's now shifting as people are going back or they're realizing they're about two years in and like, oh, this is like hard. I don't want to do my own business. So we're in this like weird, like malaise type period And out of that, I'm seeing a lot of people double down on hacks, right? And so they're like, oh no, but like, I need to like, I need to do my PLF formula or I need to do my story brand or I need to do whatever that's worked so many times. And it's just not working. And it's freaking people out because they're not being actually responsive to what's going on in the market. So I guess if there was something that I wanted to see not happen, it's everybody to chill out just a little bit and really think about what you're doing and is it in service of what you actually want to achieve or are you just doing it because it's worked so far and you don't really know why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And if we can stick with the AI for a second. Yeah. um, You would think that somebody in the copywriting industry 
And maybe it is true for a lot of people. I mean, you've been in business for 15 some odd years yeah. and like you've got crazy awesome results and, and all kinds of amazingness, but you would think somebody that is maybe newer or they jumped in and they're like, oh, AI, it's going to take me out or whatever. The thing I think is missing is that human component. Yes. Right? Because Absolutely. it goes back to what you were saying earlier of you're building rapport and relationship through this, through yeah. your words. So, I mean, I think it's a great asset. Yeah. I think copywriters deserve to be utilizing it mm -hmm. um, and business owners utilize it, but I don't think it's an in place of because of that human yeah. aspect of it. Could you touch on that a little bit more of like, how do we actually infuse more of the human piece? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I recently wrote an email to my list because I had a lot of people uh, emailing me and freaking out. And they're like, well, like, what's going to happen? Oh my God, you know, sky's falling. And I'm like, okay, here's the thing. Don't try to compete with the machine because the machine can't actually compete with you. There is nothing that that thing can come up with that will have that human centric feeling. And the reason gets into some like really deep waters about how large language models actually work. But the super short version is, all they do is mash together words based on probability. So best case scenario, you get a lot of novelty. Like you might get some like, oh, that's weird, huh? You know, like that kind of feeling. But that's no substitute for creativity and humanity. And those are things which there is no AI that can do that yet. Maybe it will happen eventually. Who knows? But right now, what you can do is show up as human as you possibly can. You have to have a clear sense of your own integrity, by which I mean how you want to show up, you know? And I'm not saying like you need to create this brand of yourself or you need to create this perfect mask of like, here's the words I use online and here's how I show up because that's not working anymore either. We've seen several people uh, have some dramatic falls from grace with that in the past couple of years. But it's knowing what you stand for. It's knowing what your business values truly are. And it's knowing what your positioning is. So you can show up and you can have this conversation and you can truly lead and act as a thought leader as buzzwordy as that is and really connect with people. That's amazing. I, I love it because it's more of a like, okay, let's get me started. Yeah. Right. It's like a starting place. And mm -hmm. then I can expand upon it and infuse myself into it or have somebody like yourself who pulls it out of me yeah. and does it for me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's not my zone of genius. Yeah. It is not my zone of genius and you need yeah. it for everything. You need yeah. it, whether you're writing a script, um, whether you're doing a speech, because speaking is still one of the fastest paths to cash. Yep. Um, but that includes writing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need it yeah. in social, you need it in your ads, you need it in uh, your car everywhere. Writing yeah. is everywhere. Total side note. Yeah. I was talking to my nephew mm -hmm. and in school, he's, he's just graduated with eighth grade is going into high school. Mm -hmm. Did you know that they're not teaching them cursive? Like he really? can't read cursive because they don't teach how to do cursive anymore. Like the act of physically yeah. writing has changed. Oh, that's years. so cool. Fascinating. Okay. I mean, as somebody who's like terrible at cursive, I'm totally here for it. And that's so fascinating. I love how language changes so quickly. So crazy. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't even like crossing my mind until we were walking around and he was like, what, what does that say? And I was like, what do you mean? What does that say? Oh my gosh. He was like, well, we don't that's cursive. We don't know cursive. We don't practice cursive, you know, and you're just wow. like, oh my, everything's typing on the computer. 
Wow. Total side note. I know, but I just thought it was really fascinating. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Also, I'll just throw another like minor side note in there. There's a really amazing book called Because Internet by Gretchen McCullough. That's talking about how our grammar is actually changing because of the way that we like type and like interact with each other online. It is phenomenal. Yeah. My brother goes lol. Yeah. 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 Lol. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. BRB. Right. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So earlier I mentioned you've been in business for like 15 some odd years. Yeah. Would you mind kind of pulling back the curtain Mm -hmm. and sharing with us a time, a moment that maybe wasn't all that great and amazing? (laughs) Um, What kind of happened? What transpired? What did you learn out of it? And then how did you come through it? I'll actually share two with you. Okay. So my first one was my, my big dark night of the soul um, because I actually fell into entrepreneurship backwards. I never in a thousand million years thought that I would do copywriting because I didn't actually know it existed until the day before I started doing it. Um, very long story short, went to school for journalism, graduated into the recession, couldn't get a job, stuck out. Uh, I ended up working, uh, let me get that right. I ended up unpacking boxes at Old Navy on the 5 a.m. shift for six months and then was like, no more, thank you. So uh, at the time I was like, well, I'm just going to like move to Hong Kong because that is as far away from Tennessee as I could have conceived of. And, uh, but I didn't get a work visa before I went because I was 22 and I didn't know anything. So I landed with about $200 in my bank account and I had to make rent. And so I'm Googling like how to make money online, you know, because like 22 and 2008. And I found this uh, content mill, which they don't, I don't know if they exist anymore, but it was a thing where you could like, they would hire writers super cheap to like churn out content because this was back when Google uh, rewarded um, quantity, yes, quantity over quality. So I was like, I don't know, give it a try. And um, I did it and I ended up being pretty good at it. And I started building a business out of it, but I wouldn't admit to myself that I was building a business out of it for like the first three years. I was like, no, 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 this is like my side gig. I'm just going to do this just, just until I find like a real job. And uh, three or four years in, I was actually living in Greece at the time. So I moved from Hong Kong, was a nomad for a while, ended up living on this gorgeous Greek island, like living the dream, quote unquote, waking up every morning, having freshly pressed orange juice squeezed to me by bayside people, um, cantinas and stuff, working in the morning, sunbathing all afternoon. And I hated it. I hated everything about it. It was so miserable. I was so anxious because I was like, but this isn't the plan. Like life's awesome and I'm making money, but this isn't the plan. Like, I'm not going to be able to like keep this up. This is going to bust any day now. And so I spent this entire summer on this incredible island of like having anxiety attacks every day and being so miserable because this wasn't the plan. So I had to come through that. I had to make the decision to actually commit to that and commit to my own, um, I guess, uh, competence in sticking it out in business. So at the end of that year, I did a master's degree as a little throwaway attempt at being a, a for real grown up. And then I was like, no, I like the business better. So I committed to that. That's what brought me through. Um, but my, I don't know, my other sort of, this is, oh, this might not work out type of moment uh, was when I very first started scaling. So mm-hmm. I uh, learned really quickly that there's a big difference between being good at running a one person business and being good at being a writer and being good at running a multiple person business. So I was just like, well, like I know how things are supposed to be done and everybody else here's a competent adult. So I imagine that they know how things are supposed to be done too. Right. 
nay. I did not assign things appropriately. I had no idea how to do oversight. I didn't have my systems anywhere except inside my head. I bottleneck stuff. Like I would get just enraged emails from clients being like, hey, we haven't heard back from you in six weeks. And I'm like, six weeks? How, how does this even happen? What? You know, and of course it was because, you know, ultimately it's my responsibility as the owner to go in and set up the systems and make sure everything's fine and not just throw it to somebody and expect them to take care of it uh, because they didn't. And so I had this uh, little summer of horrors um, a couple of years after that, where I was like, I like, I don't know, maybe we're going to get out of this. And of course, you know, we've come through it now. I um, really locked down on our systems and I spent an entire year actually going through and writing out step-by-step literally every single thing we do. So like if I fell off the face of the planet, you could come into my business tomorrow and run it and it would be like 85% solid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's how I came through that. Yeah, oh my it's, gosh. It, it, it's totally different when yeah. you're one person show running it all and having all the clients and doing all of the things to scaling yeah. and bringing on team and duplicating yourself. It's a, it's the second mountain oh, that gosh, you have yeah. to climb. Right. And, yeah. and you as the leader has to then step into a new role as well. Mm-hmm. So you're learning something new. You're teaching people the things that you were doing. Like it's no joke. Yeah. No yeah, joke, but you can't just... scale otherwise. Mm-hmm. I had in my head too. I was like, this is gonna be like a six week process. <laughs> oh, that's no. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rachel, I could talk to you forever. Um, yeah. We've touched on so many things just here. So I know everybody's probably like, hold on, I need to rewind and listen to that part again. But I would love for you to share the gifts that you have for our audience today. And what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. So I've got two gifts today. The first one is uh, I have a book, it's called Use Your Words, and it is free right now on Substack. So it is everything I've learned in 15 years of doing marketing and uh, CMO work, all smooshed into a small book for people who want to learn how to do it, but like maybe they think they're not good at writing or they're so-called bad at speaking or whatever. So once you read this book, it walks you through literally everything you need to know to be a really effective communicator. So we'll share that. And then I also have an event specific one. So if you happen to be running events, one of the main things we do uh, in helping out with events is we do something called a show up mop up sequence. So as you talked about, there's so many little emails that have to happen before an event. And that is the show up part of the sequence. So there's, we do a seven email sequence. We walk people through, we do all the details. Then you have mop up on the other side. So a three email sequence to upsell people who didn't actually buy at your event. You will have so many more event conversions if you actually just do this little three email thing afterwards. So I'm sharing with you my template for that. It's a workbook and it literally walks you through step-by-step. So you just fill it out and then poof, you too have your own show up a mop up campaign. Oh, so good. Like that literally is money right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good money wise. Cause I, I just was talking to a gentleman um, before you and I was like, okay, so then you need to have a follow-up plan. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're doing <laughs> all of this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then the event just like, ha- and I yeah, think people just often... happened and everybody, bye. well, exactly. that he didn't have a conversion plan for his event in the first place too. And I was like, oh, oh okay. So this is what this needs to look like. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So please, please pick that up. Uh, Link are in the show notes. Those are really super amazing, valuable. And I'm definitely going to pick up the book too, because that sounds amazing. Um, My last question for you is what is a takeaway or memorable note you want to leave our audience with? 
You know, we've touched on a couple of my favorite ones. So, you know, which is, you know, you don't have to be loud. You just have to be heard. Uh, but another one that I'll say, which I also say to my clients all the time is people say that the devil's in the details, but what I say is that the devotion is in the details and you have really got to get them all the way right. If you want to run and scale a business at the type of level that we want to run and scale at here. So that's what I remind you of the devotions and the details. You can get a long way on your charisma. You can get a long way on your product uh, quality, but you ultimately have to have somebody come in and really hammer those details out. Yeah. So true. Rachel, thank you so much for being My here. Pleasure. Um, and I want to thank all of our audience for listening and joining us on another episode of Creating Powerful Impact. I'm really excited for you to take all of these lessons and all of these resources, and all the details you've learned here today, start implementing them so that you can create even more impact in your world. Until next time, have an outstanding rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Creating Powerful Impact podcast. If you are a successful coach, speaker, author, or thought leader who would like to be on this program, simply visit creatingpowerfulimpact.com forward slash guest. If you are someone who got something out of this interview, would you please do me a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your socials. Also, if you know somebody that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag creating powerful impact. I love seeing all of your posts and great guest selections. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they really mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more about us? Head on over to our website, graceandeaseproductions.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Just look for Grace and Ease Productions on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.